My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you, put this all in perspective. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Is COVID finally on the run? We know better than just saying happy days are here again about anything involving this virus. But we did get some news, some positive news today that it made us feel like maybe we're at long last seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Hence the market's second good day of the fabled Santa Claus rally. Dow gaining 261 points. That's be climbing 1.02%. NASDAQ jumping 1.18%. Of course, everyone who's ever tried to predict an end to this pandemic has gotten a half dozen eggs in their face. But today we've got three pieces of incredibly positive news out of nowhere. First good news, it looks like the monster that is the Omicron strain isn't as deadly as many of us feared, especially if you've been vaccinated. In fact, it's already burning out in the places where it first showed up. Infections are falling off a cliff in South Africa. Sure, it, it's ravaging us here now, but if we follow the same trajectory, it should peak within a few weeks. Even if it doesn't, the fact that it's less deadly means it's less likely to overwhelm our healthcare system, despite the fact that it's horrifically infectious. Second slice of good news, <clears throat> we got the pill we need to stop COVID in its tracks. <laughs> The FDA finally approved Pfizer's drug that, when taken quickly after diagnosis, stops the virus 89% of the time before it can do much damage. This pill, which can be taken at home, may be the biggest game changer of all since the pandemic began. Right now, it's only approved for people at high risk, but it could quickly be approved for everyone else. While Pfizer can only make a couple hundred thousand doses right now, we could scale that up dramatically if the U.S. government invokes the Defense Production Act to give out the formula and force other drug companies to manufacture it. Dr. Topol the other night said it's not that hard to make. Even if the government does nothing, Pfizer's confident they can make 120 million pills by the end of next year. Well, I got to tell you, that's it, man. That's, that's That's just fantastic news. Finally, get this one. Scientists at the Walter Reed Army Hospital Institute are testing out a vaccine that they believe works against every strain of COVID. That trifecta could truly put an end to the pandemic. And yes, while we have to worry that short term, some hospitals will indeed be overwhelmed with Omicron victims, we know that if you are vaccinated, it's far less likely to put you in the hospital. I know I got over it quickly, wouldn't have even known I had it, not for the Abbott Binax Now test. Not ideal, but far better than we thought a month ago. So what does that mean for your portfolio? Because it's not mad science, it's mad money. First, I think we can probably take the prospect of a lockdown off the table. Now, if you go back to the spring of 2020, you saw one industry after another get obliterated as hospital systems got overwhelmed, states shut down their economies in order to flatten the curve. Remember that term? That is not going to happen this time, people. We're better. Schools won't close because the administrators have gotten better at handling the virus. And frankly, we don't have the political will to close all sorts of different enterprises. Worst case, we might see some social distancing restrictions, some hours cut back, but I doubt we shut everything down. Not with the prospect of a take-home pill to treat the virus, a one-shot vaccine on the way, and the trajectory of Omicron in South Africa, and by the way, also in the UK. We're not going back to March 2- 2020. <laughs> 
Second, once we get through the next few weeks, we can resume the Roaring Twenties scenario that you know I like so much. That means going places and doing things. That's why the cruise lines, airlines, hotels, and the payment stocks are all flying. Now, if you care about bounties, and you know you should, that means you should buy Norwegian Cruise, Delta, Marriott, and Visa or MasterCard, the latter being a big position for our investing club. The credit card names aren't cheap, but they're better than the banks because they have no credit risk. You want stretch names? All right, I got a couple of them. The biggest would be Wynn Resorts, W-Y-N-N. That's another investment club uh, holding that's been clocked by COVID to the point where it sells at well below its casino replacement value, which does matter. And then there's the elephant in the room. All right, Dumbo. I mean, Disney, with its big slate of upcoming films and its theme parks and possibility of Disney Plus actually regaining some of its momentum. Hey, crazier things have happened. The idea that anyone's writing off Disney is kind of ridiculous, especially if you watch even a few minutes of David Faber's amazing interview with Bob Iger, the former chairman and CEO. Didn't it make you want to buy some? Finally, there's Chipotle. Now, I'm put, picking this one out because uh, it's making a ton of money from its drive throughs It's before even the rest of the place is open. It's been called a stale of late. The stock is just doing nothing. I think that that's because people were worried that the Omicron uh, strain meant lockdown. I repeat, there will be no lockdown. By the way, of course, even if there were, Chipotle did great during the last one. Third group that works, we almost always get a rally in the cyclical stocks at the beginning of the year. As analysts look to take a positive look at how these companies could do. Not, not how they will do, but it's very hopeful. It always happens. Hope Springs Eternal in January. I know this sounds silly, but it happens every single year especially when the economy is in decent shape, and we know it is, as you'll hear from Paychex later on the show. Now, just today, I saw an analyst upgrading Caterpillar, which feels reminiscent of the old days. All right, you want one? David Faber gives me a hard time about this one. Boeing, because it can't be that long until China ungrounds the 737 MAX and the FAA greenlights the 787. Now, we own Boeing for the charitable trust. We're actually up on it. I'm not trying to... It's not like... Look, it's not like win, which is just... You know, I don't say it's catastrophic, it's just money. Boeing, we're up on it. But I think you make a strong case that the stock is ready to make its next move now. I, I know things won't ever go back to normal. Not after this thing, no. It's, it's just not. I don't think we'll ever get white-collar workers to go back to the office full-time. More on that later. Maybe after they've long forgotten about the pandemic. People now have the power to say, not today, see you tomorrow. Uh, there's a back-to-the-office backtrack. And I know that we still have to go through massive Omicron outbreaks in the next two to three weeks, simply because it's so hard to stop. You test for it, it's negative, you think you're okay, but you still give it to others and then turn symptomatic. I was a particular uh, COVID donor, but so were people to me, and no one knew they had it. And, And we were all tested. And you wondered how come it never ends in the NFL where they test every day? Later tonight, we've got an actual emergency room doctor and public health specialist from Harvard who has a plan for dealing with the hope for Omicron denouement that would, again, they give us a middle ground, lockdown off the table. Oh, and there are enough boring economists out there with nothing but time and aggregate data on their hands saying that supply chains are stretched and housing's too hot, which it, which it is, and corn is too high and credit's too easy. So the Fed has to tighten more aggressively. I mean, they, they either know to say tighten more aggressively or not tighten. They don't say tape or not tape. What kind of life is that? It's like four things they can say. You know what? A month ago, when we first heard about the Fed's pivot, the, the market was terrified. In the last two weeks, though, we discovered something a lot more frightening. Uh, and you should be very afraid of Omicron if you aren't vaccinated. So actual fear of life 
Trump's fear of Fed. If you believe the negative economists who want the Fed to raise interest rates rapidly, then go buy the bank stocks. They're seriously on sale, as well as some senior growth tech stocks that trade on earnings, not sales. In other words, the same stocks that worked right after j Powell started getting more hawkish, you can buy again. The bottom line, no, happy days are not here again. I'm not saying that. But happy days could be here soon. So maybe you buy some stocks accordingly. Let's take calls. Let's go to Joe in my home state of New Jersey. Joe. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Hope you're feeling better. Man, I'm feeling terrific. I ran a marathon this morning. Well, I mean, I went up the stairs. Okay. That was a marathon. Okay. Uh, I put a buy order of $35 on Canada Goose, and it executed. They had uh, reported better than expected earnings the last quarter. And uh, with them not using real fur in their uh, coats, should I uh, hold or sell it? Well, I got to tell you, I'm not enamored of it. Uh, you need really, really cold weather. Uh, but the main reason why I'm not enamored of it is that they should have done more than just be Canada Goose by now. And they haven't. I say uh, time to move on. Let's go to Ken in California. Ken. Hey, Booyah, Jim. How are you? I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing well, sir. Uh, hey, listen, I got a question for you. You know, it's uh, it's no secret retail stocks have been getting absolutely bonked lately. Um, you know, I'm someone who likes to invest in real utilities, so it, it irks me to see people up huge on these mean space dog tokens. Well, I'm currently in the hole on ticker okay. JWN for Nordstrom. Um, so I'm wondering, right. uh, it kind of fell off a cliff at the end of November there uh, with the supply chain issues. I'm wondering, would now be a good time to double down? Should I ride out the storm or should I just cut my losses and run? Well, if, if they had no debt, this would be a layup because they hired someone to be able to explore uh, rack, which is printing off rack. But they do they have like they have a ton of debt. And so, therefore, what you'd be getting is uh, you, you'd be getting something that's worth a lot more in rack, and you'd also be stuck with another thing. I, I have to tell you, I think this stock could trade to 25 when people realize that they actually own rack. But beyond that, uh, I'd rather own Generac than rack. Uh, let's go to Tyler in Tennessee, please. Tyler. Hey, Jim. Uh, thank you for all what y'all do. I've been holding this stock, adding to my thank position you. for years. Uh, I am currently in the house of pain. I should have known better after learning my lesson with the Chinese Netflix and the Chinese Starbucks. I thought the Chinese Amazon was different. I still have a long-term view and even wonder if there is a level to buy more. Uh, buy, sell, or hold Alibaba. Okay. Alibaba's down about 50%. As soon as you say sell Alibaba, there'll be some Yahoo firm tomorrow comes out and recommend it. I never like to sell this thing when it's down five. That is because uh, what happens then the next day someone says, ooh, hold the buy Alibaba. And then you got to get rid of it because you know, the Chinese communists have decided, you know what, we're communists. What the heck were we thinking? We're not capitalists, we're communists. And, and that's really kind of hurt the stock market as it should have a long time ago. All right, look, happy days may not be here yet, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel. So I think you got to do some buying. We've been doing it for our Travel Trust. If you're looking for some names, just sign up with the Investing Club, and you'll get some real good ideas, including today. All in Mad Money tonight. The Omicron variant is continuing to create wreak havoc across the country. So I'm talking to a doctor in the know who has a plan that could help slow the spread without shutting down the economy. And Eli Lilly exploded higher last week. But after pulling back the last few days, our investors finally getting that buying opportunity in the drug kingpin that I think has got the best pipeline 
I'll give you my take. And paychecks jumped today after reporting a better than expected quarter. I'm going straight to the source to see what was behind the strength. And it's not just the economy. It's also paychecks. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Right now, in this country and around the world, there's no bigger story than the Omicron strain. Today, we got some very good news because it seems that case for case, it may be less dangerous than the Delta variant in terms of hospitalizations or deaths, but it's also insanely infectious. Omicron replicates 70 times faster than Delta in human airways, and you can catch it even though you're vaccinated, although it's a lot less damaging if you had three shots. That does matter. With this new strain spreading like wildfire, do we need to start worrying that our healthcare system will get overwhelmed again? You know I think lockdowns are off the table. But they're always off the table until we run out of hospital beds. Is there anything we can do to stop that from happening short of a full lockdown? Tonight, we're talking to Dr. Jeremy Faust. N- not that Faust, Dr. Faust. He's an emergency physician at Brigham and Women's Hospital in, Bro- in Boston. Brigham and Women's is a fantastic hospital. He's also an instructor at Harvard Med School. And uh, by the way, frontline doctor who's written extensively about circuit breakers, short-term measures that can slow the spread. Rather than a prolonged lockdown, the idea here is that just shutting things down for a few days or even a week could do a great deal to prevent hospitals from being overrun. So let's take a closer look with Dr. Faust. Welcome to Mad Money, sir. Great to be here, Jim. Okay, so, doctor, I think that there's this false dichotomy. Americans either think that things should be wide open or they're going to be locked down. You've come up with a very common sense practical way to keep systems like the 100% hospital capacity counties all over this country already in business without a vast shutdown. Could you describe your circuit breaker solution? Sure. The idea is that if someone has a heart attack or has COVID, we want them to be able to be treated and get the life-saving care that they deserve and that we can provide. But if the hospitals are overflowing for any reason, we can't do that. And those are preventable deaths. So the idea here is to find the places leveraging real-time data that we used to not have, and we can leverage that information to identify the places where the bad combination exists. And that combination is not enough hospital beds right now and too many COVID cases in the community right now being diagnosed that tell us that even if a small percentage of those people get hospitalized, that number will actually lead to the hospital beds being too full in several days from now. And that's something that we can anticipate and we can actually react to in time. So I think that's the best part of this is it's narrow, it's nimble, and it does an achievable thing that we all can get behind. We all just want to have access to the life-saving care that our system can provide. Now, Dr. Fels, we got the news from the FDA today about the uh, Pfizer pill, 89%, uh, 89% helpful. Will that do anything to reduce the, uh, circuit, the, the issues that, need, that cause the need for circuit breakers? And then against that, uh, the unvaccinated, is it, aren't some of those hospitals just kind of going to be massively overrun by Omicron? It really depends. Omicron is so complicated to think about because on one hand, it could be that if I get Omicron right now, I'll be fine. 
but I can't go to work. And so is there another doctor who can fill in for me? So there's a capacity issue that we have to watch. That's one big thing. And that's why I think actually mobilizing resources like National Guard who have doctors, that's a great idea in case healthcare workers just can't go to work. In terms of other things that can change the, the circuit breaker threshold, because that's really what I think you're getting at, Jim, things like medications might do that. Things like higher vaccinations certainly will do that. And what's great about the dashboard that we have and that I wrote about in my newsletter is that it takes all, a lot of that into real-time data into account. So, for example, if the usual rate of hospitalizations goes down, we actually know that and, it, and it, we pull that data automatically and say, wait, you know, it used to be that 4% of reported cases were hospitalized, but we're seeing it's only 2% right now. So we can adjust for that and we can say, look, the hospitals can anticipate that um, they're not going to be as overwhelmed as maybe they would have been a month ago. So the nice thing here is that we're relying on real-time data so that we don't make the wrong call. Now, obviously, I think that there should be counties all over the country calling you right now. I mean, you published a map that I think is going to look very Pollyannish, not that, not, you know, in a couple of days that has counties that are completely overwhelmed. I mean, have people been been saying, you know, Dr. Faust, what do we do? We don't know how to predict this. So not really. I think that this, the idea that we could do this is kind of new and novel. And I came up with this and went over it with an epidemiologist here at Harvard. I work with Bill Hannage and operationalized this quickly. Literally over the weekend, I sent this idea to federal officials and they acknowledged it. And yesterday or today, I can't even remember, sent this dashboard saying, look, give this to local officials and let them run it because every single county can see where they're at. Now, there's some discrepancy between federal data and local data. So it's a prototype, but what it should do is trigger an on-the-ground assessment because there might be fewer beds than we actually think. There might be more beds. And the idea is that they can just anyone can just go to the dashboard and see if, if we have a, a situation in which they're already at capacity. We think they're going to be soon. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to see this tool just in the hands of officials so they can make the call. They can say, look, we're close, but we're not there. Maybe let's reduce indoor dining capacity to 50%. Maybe let's make sure that the, 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 the arenas are having a, a, a different capacity, or maybe we have to do a little bit more than that. But the idea is that if you give people this warning, it actually gives them enough time to act because we know how this transmission of this virus works and we know how long hospitalizations usually last and how, what the lag will be. So we can give this information to officials who can act in time. And that's what I like about it. It's actually actionable. Yeah, it's it's actual and it's practical, which is what's been lacking so much. Dr. Jeremy Faust, you are an unbelievable follow, by the way, on Twitter. You have a great newsletter and you've done a fantastic job throughout the pandemic. Thank you for coming on Mad Money. Dr. Faust, Brigham and Women's Hospital Emergency Physician. Sir, great to see you. Thank you. Stay with me. Coming up, investors may have swooned at a mid-month lily leap. But how does Omicron change the calculus for a company combating COVID? Find out when Mad Money returns. I keep telling you that as we get ready for the new year, we need a new approach to the stock market. Rule number one in this business is you never fight the Fed. And when the Fed is getting ready to raise interest rates, that means you need to circle the wagons around companies that make real things and generate real earnings, not just sales. 
even better if they're immune to a slowdown or the potential economic damage from the Omicron breakout, which we don't know what it's going to be, as I said at the top. Earlier this week, I told you about three of my favorite drug companies where the valuations had really gotten so ridiculously low that management decided to just break them up, break up their darn businesses in order to unlock value. Tonight, I've got another pharma story, one that I think is probably the best of the current moment. I'm talking about Eli Lilly, L-L-Y, the $250 billion big pharma Indiana powerhouse that I like so much that we own it for the charitable trust. And of course, you can follow what we have to say about it by joining the CNBC Investing Club. Now, we started building a position in Lilly back in October, and since then, the stock has caught fire. Unlike so many other drug names, this one's been a huge outperformer in 2021. It's up more than 50%. It's an incredible move. However, after a monster run this spring and summer, the stock stalled out in the fall, which is when we pounced on it for the trust. That's what we like to do. We buy weakness. Finally, last week, that bet paid off. Last Wednesday, Lilly held this incredibly bullish investor day, and the stock folded $25, or more than 10%, which is the kind of ridiculous single-day move you almost never see from a large capitalization company. Since then, it's pulled back, hence why I'm talking about it tonight. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's got a lot more room to run and reverses position and goes higher. So why am I such a huge fan of this company? First, let me give you the broader bull thesis here, and then we'll go into what happened just last Wednesday. When you're looking at a drug stock, the single most important part of the story is the pipeline, the new drugs that they're working on. Lilly is arguably the best pipeline in the entire industry. They spent a fortune on research and development, and those bets have really started paying off big time over the last few years. Remember, a lot of stuff just doesn't work out for drug companies, not for Lilly. This plan goes back a long way. Starting in 2014, Lilly began delivering 20 new medicines over the next decade. According to the analysts who follow the stock, seven of these drugs, uh, drugs, seven, could do north of $3 billion in sales. They're not just blockbusters. They're mega blockbusters. The Spider-Man of the pharmaceutical universe. In the most recent quarter, this new generation of drugs accounted for 58% of Lilly's core business revenues, contributed 17% percentage points of revenue growth. It'll be many years before any of these drugs lose their patent protection. And remember, this was a decade-long plan. So they still got a bunch of new products coming out over the next few years that could generate enormous numbers, in many cases bigger than what they have now. More specifically, in recent years, Lilly has prioritized three areas. Obesity, age-related neurodegeneration, think Alzheimer's or dementia, and DNA or RNA-based medicines. And now, in terms of economic impact, obesity is one of the largest global health threats out there. It costs us a trillion dollars a year, causes one out of every five adults to lose their lives. But a lot of business there, sadly. As for Alzheimer's, we know that it's the white whale of the pharmaceutical industry. Everyone wants to come up with a treatment because it's an enormous untapped market. But so far, no one has had success. And DNA or RNA-based drugs are the future of medicine, as we've seen with these mRNA COVID vaccines that work so much better than the alternatives. Coming up, Lilly's got two of the most highly anticipated product launches in the industry. Donatamab, which is their Alzheimer's treatment that has surprisingly strong clinical trial data, as opposed to biogens, and terzepatide, which is a new class of drug for type 2 diabetes. Unfortunately, a huge market. And also weight loss at the same time. See Dave Rick says, and I quote, two of the most valuable projects we've ever worked on and maybe the most valuable projects in the industry right now. End quote. Two, and they both go to Lily. 
Lilly expects the revolutionary diabetes drug to get FDA approval in the middle of next year. Alzheimer's drug likely to get approval in the second half. In other words, if everything goes right, 2022 is the year of Eli Lilly. How big could these two drugs be? Well, according to J.P. Morgan, Denonimab could be a $15 billion opportunity or greater, while Terzapatide could have peak sales of over $10 billion just from diabetes, although it could be worth even more if it gets approved as an anti-obesity pill. And those aren't even the highest estimates on the street. I'm actually being conservative. That fabulous pipeline is a major reason why Lily's stock has caught fire here. Although there's more to this story than just a slate of miraculous medications. The other main reason I love this one is that Lily's got great management. These guys know how to execute. Over the last five years, the company's operating margin, what they make per sale before paying interest and taxes, has risen from 20.7% to 30%. That's that, kind of remarkable. And through 2030, management thinks they can bring that up to the mid to high 30s, depending on how much they invest in R&D. So they're spending a lot of money developing new drugs, and their profit margins are going up. How about that huge move last Wednesday, one week ago? All right, we got a lot of positive news all at once. First, Lilly gave you an incredibly bullish outlook for 2022. A lot of people thought it was going to be cut, believe it or not. Management said they expect revenue to be roughly flat, but they forecasted $8.50 to $8.65 of earnings per share. Wall Street was only looking for a little more than 8 bucks. That's up from eight fifteen to eight twenty this year, which means Lilly's not going to have a down earnings year in 2022 like so many feared. They're also guiding for another 200 basis points of operating margin expansion next year. I think there are a lot of shorts going into that meeting. That's also part of the reason why it went up so much. On top of that, management also gave us some robust long-term forecasts. They've got limited patent expirations over the next five years. That's those cliffs that we always talk about. they got a bunch of big product launches through 2024, including the two huge ones next year, that should be able to support top-tier revenue growth through the rest of the decade. In other words, you don't need to trade this one. Lily wants to use some of that money to raise the dividend, also buy back stock, music to our ears in this current environment. Now, over the last five years, Lily has been the best performing drug stock in the market. Isn't that remarkable? In that time period, Lily has total shareholder return of more than 300%. Nobody else comes close except maybe Novo Nordisk, which still lags significantly at just under 250%. How have they been able to do that? Lily gave us some interesting data at their investment day uh, last week, including R&D productivity data. Basically, when you look at the value of the recent drug launches and the projected sales of their late-stage pipeline drugs, Lilly is getting much more bang for its buck from each dollar of R&D spending. Either they've gotten very lucky repeatedly, mm, I don't know about that, or they simply figured out how to do it better, right? They're better than the competition, and that's what I'm betting on. And look, there's a lot more to like here. Lilly's got a great oncological platform. They've also come up with some good stuff for immunology. And they could do $425 million in COVID antibody sales next year, although I'm not really counting on that. I could go on and on, but the point is this stock has a ton of terrific catalysts. The bottom line, Lilly exploded higher last week because its future is boundless. In the last few days, the stock's pulled back from its highs, though. And now you're getting another bite at the apple. I think you should take it. Speaking of take it, let's take phone calls with Jim in Maine. Jim. Hello, Jim. How are you? Uh, we, uh, first off, I'm I like good. To, How are you? Good. Very good. I'd like to wish you and your wife a speedy recovery from this damn virus. Good luck to you. Yeah. Make sure, thank you. Thank you. It's made us tired, but we're, we're, but we're fighters. How can I help you? Oh, Jim, I was calling about a stock that uh, has gotten beaten up lately, and, and in the past it did well. Uh, the name of the stock, stock is Canopy. I was wondering if it's a if you recommended it as a yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not recommending any of the cannabis stocks. No, I'm not recommending any cannabis stocks. They need too much right now to make it go. Now, this stock is interesting. The stock was downgraded again today to sell. Almost everybody has it to sell, and it's holding in at nine. So I'm not going to bet against it. Look, if you want to go buy it for a trade, it's fine. I just don't. Ha- I just don't like the cannabis stocks because I think that you need help from the government. And when you need help from the government, you're in big, big trouble because the government is not going to help anybody. All right. Now, Louis' future is boundless. Use any weakness to get in. There's much more made money in, including my exclusive with paychecks. What is the state of the labor market now that the Omicron variant is beginning to spread? And how's that company doing in itself? It's, that, it's one of the country's biggest payroll processors. Then, home is where the work is. So I'm giving you a handful of stocks that could benefit from continued rise of the home office, which isn't going to change even if we beat Omicron. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. You want to know why the Fed feels confident enough to tap on the brakes this economy, even though we've got COVID all over the place? Look at paychecks. That's why they exploded higher today. This is a company that's the second largest payroll processor in America with a big outsourced human capital management business. These guys do best when employment is at the strongest. Right now, paychecks is doing very, very well. Now, this morning, they reported a blowout quarter. It was an 11 cent earnings beat off at 80 cent basis. Higher than expected sales, up 13% year over year, much better than expected numbers. Even better, management raised their full year forecast substantially for the second quarter in a row. Six months ago, they were talking about 10 to 12% earnings growth for 2022 fiscal year. Now they're saying 18 to 20? I mean, that's gigantic. No wonder the stock surged more than 5% today. I think it could have even gone higher. While Paychex has a habit of reporting strong numbers and then seeing its stock sell off, these results were too good for the market to ignore. But do not take it from me. Let's check in with Marty Musi, the bankable president and CEO of Paychex. You get a better read on the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Musi, welcome back to Mad Money. Uh, thanks, Jim. Thanks. Good to be here. Yes, Marty. Now, look, you had the highest year-over-year growth in new annualized revenue in over five years. You guided things up significantly. What is happening in this country and happening to paychecks that you can do this? Well, Jim, you know, you're seeing you're seeing some certainly some tailwind as we're seeing macro, you know, improvement. You know, we're continuing to see job growth. We're adding clients. We're adding employees and worksite employees to our clients. So more checks. That's helping revenue, but really great execution on the sales side. We had our best sales quarter in the first half of the year in our history, and we're having still almost near record retention of our clients. Now, you also had amazing gross margins, and some of this because I I think you guys embrace technology in a way that many white-collar firms have not done. Just talk about some of the things that you've done to make it so that there's money flowing right to the bottom line. Sure. You know, we've automated an awful lot of the service function. So we're there for clients the way they want to do it. So they can either be through chat. It can be automated chat bots. So they're getting automated answers if they come on the web, you know, and they can self-install many times. So through our sure payroll model and even some of the Paychex Flex products, clients are sold. They actually can self uh, start to onboard themselves. That not only pleases the client, but it saves us a lot of calls and allows our payroll specialists to have more valued calls uh, where they can do more to help our clients. I also thought it was interesting in the cops call right at the end, someone was worried about inflation. 
you actually are bizarrely a net beneficiary of inflation. Well, yeah, you know, you see one one is interest rates rise, uh, you know, that, that that's the expectations now, of course. And uh, and, you know, that helps us quite a bit on the on the float. Uh, we haven't gotten a lot of that float in the past, but we have about four billion dollars in client funds that we hold at any given time. And uh, we earn the float on that. And so as interest rates rise, that'll help us. But also, I think that from an inflationary standpoint, it gives you a little bit more pricing power. Uh, it also is there is some real growth from our clients, though, that we're taking advantage of more revenue per client we're getting from them as they buy more services. Now, speaking of services, I'm trying to understand this, but retirement is at an all time high and you actually make money off of retirement. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, you know, we hit a new client milestone, over 100,000 clients now, and we're one of the leading providers of 401k plans in the U.S. And there's really two things going on here. One, uh, it's, uh, it's, as you know, it's a tough time to attract employees and retain them. They're looking for more benefits for their well-being. One of those is retirement. So more businesses, small and mid-sized businesses, are looking to offer retirement plan. And second, many states have now offered mandates and required mandates that you must have a retirement plan, almost no matter what size business you are. Uh, some of those are already in place, and some, like California, will have penalties starting in June if you don't have a retirement plan for your employees. Well, you've also become a trusted advisor in all the, uh, look, I, I'm not about crazy rules. The rules make sense, I'm sure. But uh, pandemic rules, uh, things that were basically right. that when you call an HR department, they, they really don't have that expertise, but you've developed it at Paychecks. Well, we have, and a lot of it is automated technology. So all of this on our mobile web, we really help our clients handle a distributed workforce that are working from home or in a hybrid fashion. We have a lot of technology that will help them post jobs. We've talked about our partnership with Indeed before. And, you know, you can post a job digitally, get the postings back. You can even, if you hire someone, bring them on uh, into our payroll system and into the HR system without any paper at all. So a lot of the HR technology. And then if you have issues with vaccinations and how to track them, we've, we've introduced a product that does that. I really feel very proud of the team at Paychex that they've stayed very agile and very much ahead on the innovation of what's coming out. We immediately are offering something that can respond, especially to the COVID needs. Well, Marty, the stock's been remarkable. You're a conservative steward of capital. Always been a great yield, great dividend. And I just want to thank you for everything you've done. I want to congratulate you on getting the chairmanship, too, not just CEO. Thanks, Jim. Hope you're feeling better. Okay, absolutely. Oh, thank you, Marty. I am. Thank you very much. It's Marty Musi, president and CEO of Paychex, P-A-Y-X. It's going higher. We've been right as rain on this one since 35. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The Lightning Round is next. It is time. It's time for the Lightning Round. We're going to play the sound. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dead. Time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with Kathy in California. Kathy. Hello, Jim, and a great big booyah to your brain. I'm so excited to talk to you. Wow. My brain says thank you. <laughs> yes. My brain comes right back at you. What's going on? 
EXC, Exelon, I'm banking on it growing greatly in the next five years. I think you're right. I think it's terrific. I mean, look, I can tell you it's a couple bucks ahead of itself, but I think you got a good, you got a winner there, and my brain thinks so too. Let's go to Mike in Washington. Mike, my bike. Yeah, hi. Uh, I want to say thank you, Jim, for your expertise and for sharing it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What's going on? Well, I'd like to ask you about, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on clean energy, C-L-N-E. Well, it, you know, look, we are in favor of companies that are actually making money now. That was, it was a period where you could get a look, get into something and not make money, and, and the company not make money, and you do okay. Uh, that company's got to deliver on the earnings. It just has to. Let's go to Conrad in New York. Conrad. Hey, Jim. Happy holidays. Conrad. Same to you. Um, I'd like to get you. All right. Thank you. Jim, I'd like to get your opinion on Care Trust Re. I like the dividend. What's your opinion? Well, if I'm going to own assisted living, I'm going to always go, even here, with the yield only appreciably lower than yours, I'm going to go to Ventos. But I actually don't want to go to the group in general. It's just too too hard right now. Too many things that go wrong because of Omicron. Betsy in California. Betsy. Well, hey, Jimmy. Two things. One, I hope you feel better. Okay, I really do. And um, I do belong to your services because, of course, they're the best. Now, here's my question. Here's my question, Jim. I have never heard you discuss this stock. It's a financial. The profit margin is 29.35%, better than your Morgan Stanley. The growth is 22.70, better than your Morgan Stanley. The one-year returns are 56.8, and the three-year returns are 112.9. And this talk I'm talking about is actually a sponsor of your show, which is Schwab. So I'd like to know I what like you think about I like Schwab very much. I, I've liked Schwab very much, been a client of Schwab. Here. Well, I, I think the comparison does back. And remember, those things are all true. But Morgan Stanley sells in a P.E. multiple that is half of Schwab. And I think that's the reason why I like Morgan Stanley more. But I'm not debating Schwab as being uh, not a great company. It is indeed a great company. Uh, let's go to David in Florida. David. Hi, Jim. A big West Palm Beach. Booyah! I'm in a house of pain, uh, my friend. Oh, jeez. I, I I'll be there. Which one? Which is your pain house? Well, C3AI. Do I buy more, hold it, or sell it? No, no, no. We got to understand, like, it's got to make money. See, that's the whole point. If they're not making money, we're not recommending it. We got enough problems with the ones that are making money. We don't need the ones that are making money. And that's the way it is. The only one that's not making money that I really like is Snowflake and Frank Slootman because they can grow into that price earnings multiple. Let's go get a price earnings multiple. Let's go to Dan. Uh, Dan in Kansas. Is this Dan Hesse? I love it. You go, uh, hey, uh, the Chiefs. Dan in Kansas. Dan. That's right. Booyah, Jimmy Chill from the land of Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. oh man. I hope Kelsey's okay. Today. I'm, do, do I'm making hey, a comeback? But, you know, I'm just making a comeback. Good, good. I'm, I'm a little more, um, you know, I'm a little unfair. I think that, that the quarantine should end, but I play by the rules. What's going on? All right, ignore the haters. Hey, as one of your disciples, I own a high-growth tech stock that has actual earnings. Should I add to my position in the trade desk? You know, Jeff Green is real. That company is real. 
I wouldn't mind you buying more of that stock. I think they're a terrific company. Let's go to Stephen in New Jersey. Stephen! Booyah, Dr. Kramer. This is Stephen from Forty, New Jersey. First time caller and long time listener. Okay. My question for you is Robolab. Excellent. With the ticker of RBLA. Oh, I like Bazooki. I think Bazooki's good. Now, that is one of my couple metaverse. I don't have a lot of metaverse names. That remains a solid metaverse name. And my favorite, of course, that we've not mentioned in, in like 36 hours of, is I like NVIDIA. Now, you know what? We're not going to be done. Let's go to Harold, New York. Harold. Booyah, Kramer. Happy holidays. Booyah. Same. I wanted to talk to you about our, the stock I have. is Luminar, L-A-Z-R. Should I keep it? Should I sell it? What, yeah. what should I do? No, no, look, no, look. I, I saw there was an article in some publication saying that Ford is ready for a fall. As soon as I read that, I say, go buy some Ford. Let that one yields two percent. It's making money. That's what we're looking for. Companies that make money in the uh, in the EV ICE space and one on this Ford. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round. Is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, if home is where the work is, will home-focused stocks be where the profits are? Kramer IDs a key secular trend you won't want to miss. Next. Once again, the home builders are leading the market higher, not because of anything particular from the mortgage market or even the aggregate construction data, which are okay, but because it's become too hard for employers to wrangle people back to the office. Yep, home is where the work is. For Omicron, there had been a big backlash by the bosses against the white-collar ranking file continuing to work remotely. They just didn't want them at home. For example, J.P. Morgan was going to host their incredible health care conference in person. I was looking forward to going. They just canceled it last week. Mm-mm. Take CES, that huge conference formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show. That was supposed to be held game on, right? Now it's looking a little still warm. Some of this is because Omicron's sweeping the nation, but there's another component, too, and I call it the so what factor. Sure, we all want to see each other in person, but nobody wants to host the kind of super spreader event that Biogen held at the beginning of the pandemic, one that earned them endless scorn. So what if we aren't in person? I know we thought all the lockdown stocks were played out, and this time another shutdown seems like it is off the table. However, there's now a sense among even the most pro-on-premise executives that it's over. White-collar workers will keep working from home because the home is now a real good office. Which brings me back to the stock market, because some companies will be huge winners from this white-collar, top, top white-collar, the boss's exodus that's now getting a second win. What works here besides my favorite home builders, Lennar and Toll? First and most important, a stock that's actually up today, Williams-Sonoma. Now, I simply cannot believe that how far the stock has fallen from when we were in San Francisco talking to Laura Albert, the CEO. In a world where everyone's talking omnichannel, this is the retailer that has transitioned more to omnichannel than anyone else in the country. Yet the stock has fallen 50 points from its high, even as its business has just gotten stronger and stronger. Now, listen, when the bosses fail to wrangle their employees back into the office, those workers will outfit their home offices with furnishings from Williams-Sonoma. It was 50 points higher when most businesses were pleading with people to get back to work. That makes no sense to me. The stock can really fly here. The bosses are going to have their houses. Watch the bosses have their rooms made up 
by William Sinema. They'll come and do it for you. Now, we've seen something else similar in RH. That's the artist formerly known as Restoration Hardware. Like William Sinema, it had a monster quarter. Also like William Sinema, the stock is down gigantically since that quarter. I can't emphasize enough how unusual it is. I expect it to come roaring back as we realize that remote work is here to stay. Finally, talk about an opportunity to buy a Tesla. I mean, I think that the new Omegas, the wealthier office workers moving to the suburbs of the country, they're going to be core Tesla buyers. Hey, and they can plug it in. They don't have to be in an apartment. Difficult to plug. Although I do have some at those uh, parking lots I've been to. All right, what about tech? I don't think there's going to be another wave of personal computer purchases done. Waste of money to buy a new one every year. That feels played out to me. But now that the big dogs are being forced to stay home, cybersecurity is going to become a huge issue for them. Many outfits are trying to address this problem, but the ones who saw it coming first, the one I rely on as a thought leader when it comes to hybrid work, Nikesh Arora, CEO, Palo Alto Networks. He's got a device for your home that I can see every top executive at least considering now that home is where the work is. It should be a big spurt of sales. Now, I know that COVID seems like it's on the run. We've seen how Omicron peaked in South Africa. But the execs who prided themselves on bringing people back, well, they suddenly seem like cruel taskmasters who don't care if you live or die. I think many will throw in the towel and adopt the if-you-can't-beat-them-join-them strategy now. And that means those who make the most money are about to build themselves palatial home offices. You want to be able to profit off that because bosses, remote work, it's here to stay. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.